Welcome to Timberline Windsor. Thanks for joining us this weekend. We are a church family that strives to let love live in every facet of our lives. We at Timberline Windsor desire everyone, every man, woman, and child that calls this church family home to be a part of Connections. To join one today, visit our website or download the Timberline app. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. It's been a good morning. I think one more time we should give it up for Ashley Helmuth and her team and these tremendous children that you brought. Let's hear it for them. We've been in a series the last few weeks called Promises Kept. First week it was the star, then it was the shepherd. Last week it was the friend. And today, it's the child. These are promises made hundreds, thousands of years ago now. And I know we got a bunch of kids, a lot of kids. I love this in this service. So, you know, I'm not going to try to be highfalutin that I ever could, but we're just going to tell you a story. And you know pieces of the story, maybe the whole story. It's a story from long ago about a 15-year-old girl. They think she's about 15, who was in a really tough place. And she got some shocking news. It was scary, but it's okay because the end of the story is tremendous, okay? And if you forget any pieces of the next few minutes, remember this. This is the line, the thought. A teenage girl's open heart to God changed her world and ours. I'm going to say it again. A teenage girl's open heart to God changed her world and ours. 2,000 years ago in a tiny country, tiny town called Bethlehem. In Hebrew, it means house of bread. There was a promise kept, and this is how the promise sounded. All right, enough already. All right, we're getting enough. You've all heard that sound. Better than that, you all made that sound. You've all been there, done that, got the diaper and the onesie, okay? So we've all, we, that's how we came in. That's where we came in the door, right? But for our, and I've known that experience four times with four of our children and the anticipation and the excitement when you know there's breath is profound. But for our 15-year-old girl, 2,000 years ago, it was a much bigger story than just a nine-month wait. Her whole nation had been promised hundreds of years before that this was going to happen. There was going to be a baby. She didn't know it was going to be hers. But this is what Micah, the prophet, said 800 years before Jesus was born. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. hundred years later, Isaiah said this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Back to our 15-year-old. Here's the setting. There are two couples in this story. One are an older couple. One's an older couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. One's a younger couple. These guys are married. Younger couple, older man, younger girl, because it used to be back in that culture in the day, still some now, where you would marry a young woman 
a teenager, to somebody who's older and established. So you have Joseph, who's a carpenter, and you got Mary. She's the 15-year-old. And so Elizabeth finds out she's expecting a child, and she hadn't been able to have a child, but she finds out she's expecting. And an angel came to her, a messenger. An angel is the word in the Bible. A messenger came then to Mary, and this is how the story goes. And I'll just read through it real quickly. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, so he's in the royal line. The virgin's name was Mary, the young woman. The angel went to her and said, here you go, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And what did she do? Just with that line, she went, whoa. Because it says Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. This wasn't even the big news yet. He just said, how are you? You know, and the, the Lord likes you. And she, because if an, well, face it, if an angel showed up here, just right here, most of us wouldn't walk up and say, let me just touch that dude. Let me do, no, we'd go, whoa. And that's what she did. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He'll be great, will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And she's saying, how will this be? How will this be since I'm a virgin? I've never been with a man. I'm not married. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, he's breaking the news to her, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. So she, she had been unable to conceive, and Mary and Elizabeth are related some way. Scholars aren't sure what, whether Elizabeth was her aunt or her fourth cousin, they don't, but they're connected in some way. It says it here. And so you have someone who's old who can't have a child, and then you have a young person who's not married yet who probably shouldn't go there, and you've got, so you have that. And then two statements. Everything hangs on these two statements. For no word from God will ever fail. That's the promise. No word from God will ever fail. Well, he, they promised way back. I mean, that's a long time, 800 years to wait for a promise. You know, generations, and the promise hasn't been fulfilled. Some of you get this because you prayed for something 30 years ago, and you're still sort of waiting. But promises are kept. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. This is the great line. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. She opened her heart. A teenage girl opened her heart to God, changed her world and ours. So Mary goes to see Elizabeth, who's in a different town. She's up in a town in the hills. She walks in, and Elizabeth immediately says, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So Mary, so Elizabeth knows. So, you know, God apparently is working both ends of this thing, right? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped. And then Elizabeth says, and here it is, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. The promise is kept. What could Mary have been thinking 15 years old, talk about shocking news, talk about what's, how does it, you know, she's like that. What could she be thinking? Back in 1984, 
uh, a fellow named Mark Lowry wrote a piece of prose that asks a moving question of that teenage girl. It's called Mary Did You Know? About seven years later, a wonderful musician from Nashville, Buddy Green, I've had a chance to be with him a couple of times in conferences. He put music, he put this tune that you're hearing to these words. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to the blind? Did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again. The lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? The sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. I think Mark Lowry got it right. How could she possibly know all those things? How could she know? But she knew one thing. She knew the big thing. And she's still talking to Elizabeth. And she says this, Mary, the 15-year-old, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, not just in me, for me, holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. Here's the part we need to hear. From generation to generation. She is talking about us. And she would never know us. But here we are because she responded as a 15-year-old with an open heart to what God had planned. So the baby's on his way. What? Why did he come as a baby? That's kind of like my first question. I mean, he could have come as a avatar as a marvel character with marching bands and shock and awe and light and sound show and all but he comes in this little tiny place this little tiny town to poor people and with just just this little well the core question is how how can i as a limited human being finite go to the infinite go there and no i can't i don't i don't understand him I'm, I'm in my ninth decade of life here, and I can't fully understand God, and I like him. I love him, but I can't fully understand. But he absolutely understands me. He understands every part of me. So he comes to me. I love telling this story that I'm, I'm 30 years old, okay? So it's a few decades back. Ruth and I are doing a church plant at the University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, 135 miles south of Chicago, out on the corn, soybean fields, and all of that. And I'm 30. 
and this church that we're planning is growing, and I'm out having business lunches and all kinds of stuff, and Ruth is at home with four children and uh, under the age of seven. And so I'm, I'm there, and, and I'm in my three-piece suit, fellas, back in the day when they had polyester suits. Some of you are old enough to remember polyester suits. They don't wrinkle, but you sweat like a stuck pig. And, I, you know, and polyester suit and a briefcase, no backpacks back in the day. And I walked into, into the house, and I'm 30, and I was tired. How many know you can be tired at 30? You can't, you know. And I had a big day, and I just, a big week, and I just tossed my briefcase on the, on the couch and fell belly down on the front room floor. Well, if you have teenagers, sir, and you fall belly down on the front room floor, they'll find mom, say, Mom, uh, you need to call EMTs or somebody because dad's weirded out. He's there on the front. But if you have little people in your house and you fall belly down on the front room floor, what happens? Yes, why? Because the giant has laid down. You know, I'm two and a half times taller, <coughs> excuse me, than a preschooler. Two and a half times. I'm six feet tall, right? Relatively speaking, that would be right now like a 15-foot-high guy walking in here saying, how you doing, Dick? I say, I'm good. Have you cleaned your room yet? No, but I, I was just going to. You know, just, I mean, it's this. So when vertical power goes horizontal, it's not scary anymore. It's my size. I can sit on its head. I can clean out its pockets. We can play games. We can do all of this kind of stuff. And of course, that's what God Almighty did at Bethlehem, is God the giant laid down so I could touch him. I could have access to him. He made himself vulnerable. He didn't have to make himself vulnerable to me. But he puts on human flesh so I have a shot at eternal life, so that I have a shot of being whole in my life. And I don't have to be afraid. And he identifies with my first trauma. My first trauma is being born. I don't remember this, but here I am over here, nine months in a watery womb world. About four months in, I'm hearing this. It's my mom's heart. And then when she sings songs, you know, if she's humming a hymn or hopefully it wasn't Lady Gaga right off that she was, but anyway, I'm hearing this, apparently. And then I'm born, I'm starting to feel pressure and I'm saying to myself, this is not going to be good. But after a while, it's good. And I'm out here in the land of the giants upside down. They're talking funny languages. And that's, that's so he identifies with my first trauma. What does the baby bring to us? All of God's wisdom, all of his power, all of his forgiveness, all of his mercy, it's, it's eternity with skin on. Did, did I mention the light of the world? Yeah, he brought us insight and vision and all of that. In a, and let's just say that he was 7 pounds, 20 inches long. In that tiny package, he puts infinity. I don't understand that. I can't get my head around that. All I know is that I've experienced some of it when I responded to him. And in that, you know, I'm saying, how in the world do you get all of that into this little tiny package? Well, we do that with stuff, don't we? Uh, this is my friend Howard Momstead. When we were at the University of Illinois, Howard was a professor of chemistry, world famous. Nine textbooks that he wrote, used in 500 universities around the world, and his specialty was light. I've introduced you to Howard before. But he, he, was, um, he was kind enough when we left that church 
we went to be I went to be president of a small college in California, and at my inauguration luncheon, when they were installing me as president, September of 1978, Howard came and spoke at the luncheon. He talked about science and Jesus and faith and all. He was articulate, and he said, "Dick used to come to my lab at the University of Illinois, and I I would I'd go to his lab. The whole back wall, you know, as big as that." just big, huge computers, and they'd been doing experiments. And I walked in the first time, and I looked over and said, what are they doing over there? And they had some frogs sort of splayed out, and they had a lot. He said, we are tracking the positive and negative ions across kidneys of frogs using a ruby laser. And I'm looking at this and saying, well, of course you are. I, you know, I, I, get, I don't even know how to spell ion, but here they are. They're doing all these things. But he said to the group gathered that day of my inauguration, he said, within 20 years, this is 78, within 20 years, that whole wall of computers, you will be able to put in this. And that was exactly right. And that was 30 years ago almost that they put it all in this. So we know about taking the big stuff and making it small. And here is God who took the biggest stuff and made it so we could touch it and have access to it. So, that being said, and I'm going to wrap this up, why do we celebrate his birthday? Why do we do that? I didn't say this in the first service, but Ruth and I had fun in D.C. because for several years we had a friend who ran the Navy. I've talked to you about him. And they would invite us to the, to the head of the Navy's birthday party at, or, or Christmas party at his house in the Navy Yard, and it's a place called Tingy House, and you walk up, and there's a brass quartet that are playing stuff, and you walk in, and there are faces that you see on TV, and you're way over your head. I mean, you're, we're just down here. These are, these are big-name people, so we're just nodding, you know, coming through. But you walk through, and you walk into the dining room, which is beautifully decorated, and there's a sheet cake, big sheet cake, and on it, it says, Happy Birthday, Jesus. I don't know that the whole Navy would believe that. But if the head of the Navy believes it, that's not a bad place to start. Happy birthday, Jesus. Why do we celebrate his birthday? Well, for me, it's because when we respond to him, I believe it's the pivotal moment in world history. And it changed everything. And it answered for me life's questions. Here, here's just three of them, because i got a lot of questions. Here's just three of the questions. How can I live life a hundred percent with meaning. I feel like I got an answer to that. How can I be light in a dark world? I think I got some, some space in there, some distance. The big one is how can my sins, my personal failings, my stupid stuff, my bad choices, my mis how can they be forgiven? Now here's the rest of it, and you're part of this. A 15-year-old girl thousands of years ago received Jesus with great joy. And when she said generations to generations, she was absolutely right because here we sit. So the key question in this closing is, how should I, how should I respond? We know how she responded. How should I respond to Jesus coming? I would suggest we do with that 15-year-old teenage girl did. So we open our hearts to him. When I say, Jesus, I open my heart to you, you know what happens? I don't have to be my own God anymore. 
I'm not wired to be my own God. I tried doing that for a number of years, you know, off and on, sort of gives you a hernia. You don't want to do that. For kids, that means you strained yourself. And when I say, Jesus, I open my heart to you, I get to be born from the inside out. It changes everything without that initial hassle. And when I say, Jesus, I open my heart to you, my past is forgiven, and I get a future. That's the best Christmas present I will ever get. I would submit that's the best Christmas present you and I can ever give ourselves, is to make that kind of response. And if you do it at 67, tremendous. If you do it at 47, that's even better. You get 20-year jump. If you do it at 27, wow. 17, you've got almost your whole life ahead of you do it when you're 17. If you're 7, I mean, all bets are off. Here is the God who comes along and says, what I did is not simple. For you to respond is simple. When I was a kid growing up, I went to VBSs and I went to camps and all kinds of stuff, and they used to sing this little chorus, kind of, into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart. Lord Jesus. And if you're a little bit skeptical, saying, really? I mean, for a huge transaction, there's got to be more papers to sign than that. Well, here's the deal. It's not about you signing the papers. He signed them. He put up the money. He put up the collateral so that I can be whole and have meaning and have direction and purpose and be awash in his grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day, this morning. Thank you for these wonderful children who are being nurtured in their childhood with truth and loved on by people who love you. And even when there are times when we don't get it right, you're still present. And for anybody in the sound of my voice this morning, either in this space or online. We pray that as they might simply say, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, I need, I receive you. I need all that you bring in my life, and I will be grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Let's all stand together. You would, please. And uh, it's my joyous... Um, gift or task or responsibility to sort of do a blessing, if you will, but I think we should all do it together. So rather than me saying something profound over you or that sort of thing, I, I like this thought. I choose to believe the promise. I choose to believe the promise. Maybe that could be a gift that we give to ourselves this Christmas. And Why don't you just say it with me? Are you ready? Here we go. I choose to believe the promise. And with that, we're saying so long. It's been real. Have a wonderful week. God bless you. We hope you encountered the love and power of Jesus in today's service. If you're interested in giving, for joining serving opportunities, and much more, visit TimberlineChurch.org connect. Have a great week. Go be the church and let love
live. <laughs>